Welcome to Live in a Home That Pays You Back, the podcast for people who want to get the absolute most out of owning a home. Your host is Anna D. Simone, who explains how your home can be healthy, sustainable, and provide long-term security for you and your family. Anna's guests include technology leaders and innovators in the housing industry who share the kind of knowledge you need to meet the market with confidence. Make informed decisions about home construction, renovation, energy scores, water conservation, wind, solar, geothermal power, and lots more. It's time for you to live in a home that pays you back. Now here's your host, Anna DeSimone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live in a Home That Pays You Back. Our podcast today, we are speaking with Charlie Vinci, who was the lead real estate agent for the Charlie Vinci team at Compass Realty in Greenwich, Connecticut. Now, Charlie was named one of the top 5% of real estate agents in the United States by HomeSnap. Charlie provides a tremendous amount of free information and guides on his website, and YouTube channel, which is called Gold Coast Homes. And I respect him so much because of all of the help that he gives his home buyers. And I really value his judgment, and I am anxious to hear from him today what he has to say and give you some good tips, whether you're buying or selling your home. I'm thrilled to have him on our show today. Welcome, Charlie. Hi, Anna. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Ah, oh, thanks. So I know you have an interesting history, Charlie, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about your background and how you grew your successful business over the years. Oh, certainly. I was uh, formerly a construction business owner. I was sort of uh, beaten up by the 2008 downturn, which eventually ended up causing me to close that business. And I became a real estate agent in 2016. Uh, I did a lot of open houses. And what became apparent to me is that I had a unique uh, background that was seemed to be helpful to the buyers that I was meeting at these open houses. A lot of times they would come into a specific town, like say Greenwich, and about 80% of the time they wouldn't actually buy in the same town. And so they were, you know, they needed someone, they wanted to stick with that same agent who they had started to build a relationship with and who understood them. And they really didn't want to change. And so I was able to to hop town lines. You know, so many realtors are focused in one or maybe two towns. And um, we really had, I had such a broad experience from my construction years of running estimates all over the area and seeing all these yeah. houses in the neighborhoods that I was able to to sort of jump across town lines and, and still give them the same level of service. And um, so that was really, I guess, my, my superpower that really supercharged, I guess, <laughs> my career and sort of got me off the ground. Uh, and as you know, yeah. that eventually turned into the YouTube channel where we, we've created a whole bunch of videos on neighborhood tours for many of these towns and pros yeah. and cons of the different towns so people can decide between them. And I, gosh, I think we've over several hundred videos now. And then, of course, wow. the website combines. What I've tried to do with the website lately is to, well, there's so much content out there. I mean, we've got not only the videos, we've got maps and mini guides and self-guided tours if they want to visit the area. And so we've condensed that all down into a, a sort of an interactive buyer's guide where they can go through it and play the videos that, that are 
pertaining to that specific town and the maps, the neighborhood maps, the school district maps, all the stuff they need to um, to make decisions. And then, of course, the sellers have caught on to to the channel being so successful. And so um, we've had su- success there as well with my construction experience, showing them how to improve their home. You know, a lot of sellers do you know, they have this list of things they think they need to do. And a lot of times I find that there are many things that they're spending t- money on things that, that they really shouldn't, that aren't going to necessarily net them a return investment. And they can focus that money somewhere else. And we're really trying to obviously net them the most money at the end of the day. And then we yeah. can expose them to the the buyers on the, the channel. There's about 10,000 unique viewers every quarter uh, on our YouTube channel. And so we can give them that extra exposure to, to drive some extra showings and offers. Well, you know what? What you're doing, Charlie, demonstrates something that's very important to people today in America, and that is full disclosure and transparency. You know, we're living in a time where, you know, our property values have practically doubled in the past 15 years since you got in the business. And of course, your construction background is so important. But I mean, basically, you're doing the homework for your customers. I, I think the more information consumers get, the better. Yeah, definitely. What I wanted to ask you today is, you know, in the news, all they're talking about is the inventory of homes is in short supply. And, you know, according to the numbers, inventory is like half what it was a year ago, which really makes it a challenge for home buyers. But it also puts a lot of pressure on sellers, too. So I'm dying to hear what your feedback is and what you see happening and what your you know clients are telling you on both the seller side and the buyer side, how inventory is affecting them? Yeah, that's a great question. And interestingly that you say um, also from the seller side, um, you know, clearly demand is outpacing supply. That's the real issue we have here locally. And then I'll say for your buyers listening all across the country, you know, just remember that, um, you know, each market is different. And so when you're hearing this national news of of a, a collapse or a boom, it's not necessarily true universally. And so you're going to want to obviously dig into your local market to figure out exactly what's going on. But here in our area, lower Fairfield County, Connecticut, demand is clearly outpacing supply. Um, mm. We're seeing a little bit of a slowdown on the, in the higher end towns that we have in our area, say the, the towns that generally average over about 2 million um, and more, a little oh. more demand lately on the lower price brackets. Um, this wasn't the case during COVID. It was sort of the reverse. And um, But no matter where, what price you're shopping or what town, you know, there's there's clearly less, there's more buyers than there are houses. That's really the simple way to put it. And um, the the sales volume is low and that's confusing a lot of people because they're looking and seeing a whole lot less houses sell, but it's just because we don't have the homes to sell to those buyers. Yeah. And I'm I'm hearing the sellers say they don't want to give up their 3% mortgage, which makes total sense to me. You know, they're going to go, they're going out into a more expensive market. They've got cost of selling and then they're going to go out and buy. And with the higher interest rates, we did some rough math that if the house was only 40% higher than the home you're selling, you would double your, your cost, your mortgage cost. 
And, you know, that's not enough of an uptick, I think, mm. for a lot of sellers to jump out, you know, in our pre-COVID market when there was, you know, there was clear, it made a lot of sense to jump, you know, sell your home and to, and to upgrade. And that's definitely not the case. And I think that's going to be a real issue going forward. You know, we've never had this big period of these low interest rates. So we don't really know how it's going to work, but we're starting to figure it out. And it makes sense, right? Doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it makes sense that we, who yeah. would want to give up a 3% mortgage? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people, that's why there's so much uh, renovation going on and people are expanding yeah. their homes. And then, of course, there's always the sellers who have to move. But, you know, one of the things that is really a challenge for everyone, and no matter where they live, is when the real estate market gets people into a bidding war and the price of the house keeps going up. I mean, people with a beautiful home and a hot market a seller's market might list a house for $400,000, get 12 offers, and you're the guy that's presenting them and end up accepting, you know, usually the highest offer. But, you know, why don't you kind of walk me through the emotional side of that experience? I mean, are people getting stressed out? Are you you find that it's, it's very hard for both the buyers and the sellers when there's a little bit of a bidding war going on? Well, I mean, clearly, it's a great situation to be in a, you know, from a seller's perspective, to be able to choose the offer. I mean, quite frankly, we wasn't that many years ago that we were, you know, we were lucky to have one offer and we had to work with that one offer um, to come to, you know, to an agreement. Um, so the sellers are in a great position. I mean, as long as they're properly preparing the house, you know, it's funny because some of those fund the fundamentals haven't really changed. In other words, they still have to prepare the house to get top dollar and they still yeah. have to price the house properly, which both of those mistakes are still True. happening, which is surprising to me. Um, but at the same time, yeah. So I would say it's easy, quite, you know, quite a bit easier for sellers. What might be helpful for buyers is to understand the logic of that the seller's using, um, because I think I think a lot of times we find that buyers don't really understand that it, it's it is definitely price based. Their decision is clearly price based. So so don't you know take anything that I'm about to say as as you know that not being the king or the most important thing. But there are a lot of other factors, especially when you're working with other offers. You know, are you catering to the closing time period that the seller would like? Are you removing your mortgage contingency it's if true. you can't offer cash? You know, you can work with your mortgage broker to give you the confidence huh. that you don't need a mortgage contingency. And now you're on par in the seller's eyes for cash, especially if they don't need a fast closing, yeah. which in many cases they don't. Um, but every component, all the terms really do matter. And so what we do is generally we're going out there and finding out what the seller wants to the best of our ability and trying to cater to that so that we can try and deliver a better offer. Yeah. Well, again, you're demonstrating transparency and not, you know, leaving people with surprises to see what happens. And I think engaging the mortgage companies too about the pre-qualification and, you know, getting a, a pre-approval is a good idea. Yeah. But one of the things that I have, what I have been following lately, um, and this isn't a local problem so much according to, you know, my research and statistics, but on a national level, we are dealing with a problem that we call appraisal inequality. Yeah. And I'll just give you a couple of statistics. So across the country, 
15% of households of color that are living in, you know, minority tracts of like say 50% to 80% minority, their homes are being appraised at an average of 15% under the homes of white people. And so there's a little bit of adjustment that has to take place. We, we don't have that problem so much in the Northeast, but I think that the future that we're going to see in real estate sales and real estate finance um, the key word is going to be we need to give people time to get their paperwork together. We need to get the home buyers getting their first mortgage time to get explicit instructions on documentation. There's a yeah. lot of rush and rushing around in the business. And I think that the lenders need to have time to get supplementary information like tax assessments to support the appraisal cost. So, but I wanted to find out from you. When when you sell a house, when you put a house in the market for four hundred thousand, the people bought it like five years ago for two seventy five, three hundred thousand. Hmm. You know, let's face it, the appreciation is going up. So you sell it for four forty. Have you ever had an appraisal come back that wouldn't justify the contract price uh, just because of the appreciation being so rapid in in the area? Yeah, it's it's definitely a yeah. You know, I haven't had it happen because, but I think it's because of the effort that we do to try to keep it from being an issue. I mean, one of the things that we're doing is running market analysis for the client so they can make a a good offer, and they're not that person that went way over asking, which is a lot of times where that problem is going to come in. Then the other thing that we're finding is that sometimes the appraisers are coming from out of the area and they're not, they don't understand the local market. And when that happens, we can have a real problem with understanding why a house might be worth more than something two, two streets away. Uh, and what we do is we bring, we can deliver them a package of sales comps that we used to determine the value of the property and that hmm. Hmm. takes us you know gives us a better chance of not having that issue um, so fortunately we have not personally had that problem but i know that the, it clearly is an issue and i've also read the articles that you have read which is really saddening uh you know that in some cases there's there's a possibility that black folks homes are getting under appraised which I'm not sure if we're seeing that yeah. issue here. I'm not clear about that, but it's terrible if it's happening anywhere. No, because I keep track of that for every state in the country. I mean, that that's like my – that's not my hobby. It's the other side of what I do for work is yeah. is just following, um, you know, fair lending and inclusive lending initiatives. But, you know, I wanted to say that, you know, with the appraisals out there, you know, they – you know, they really have the challenge too. And a lot a lot of that challenge comes from the pressure of, you know, buying a home. But where where it's really a problem is when you have a VA or an FHA home buyer that's only putting three or three and a half percent, five percent down. So do do you or any of the agents in your company are are they selling many homes? where people are coming up with the minimum down payment and that's where the appraisal 
becomes more of an issue? Yeah, that's a great point. I think that that is the real challenge for maybe I can step back and explain for the listeners what the problem of the appraisal coming in short, how that really affects them. If you have a home, say a $500,000 home, uh, you make an offer on it for for 500,000 and the appraisal comes back at 475, the bank's going to want you to put down yeah. your agreed upon down payment plus the difference between the appraisal and the price that you agreed to pay. That's right. Uh, and so that really for cash strap people like you're saying that are, are you know really trying to get into perhaps their first home or whatever it may be, that's you know that's that extra money's probably not there. And so that'd be a real issue. Oh yeah, because people why, why would they be putting three percent down if they had all that money? Exactly. So it yeah, it does make it a challenge. And so I think that what we're going to see in the future is, the lenders are going to be required to get additional supplemental information. And especially, I think you're going to start seeing some contingencies in the real estate contract requirements saying that, you know, you need to allow a little bit more time to gather the sufficient information. So to make sure that we don't have an appraisal inequality, and that applies to everyone. And then it applies to people, you know, in all income levels and it, it applies in home ownership levels. But, you know, even though we're in a funny market where the real estate inventory is so low, we're still, for the past 10 years consecutively, without any change at all, the United States appreciation rate has remained between 4 and 10%. It's never dropped below four in the past 10 years. Now, we have we have eight states in America right now that appreciation rates are between 15 and 20% a year. Wow. Okay, so the, t- the top 75 states in America are appreciating at the rate of 5 or 10% a year. Yeah. So states like Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, the appreciation over the past five years has been like, 50 to 60%. Wow. So it's all leveling off right now to between 5 and 10%. Yeah. But I don't think we have to worry about high interest rates much longer. And I'm not going to say that I think the interest rates will go down, but I will say this. There are an increasing number of incentives and programs that enable people to have a more affordable home, like the Inflation Reduction Act gives you a 30% bottom line tax credit. Uh, We're going to be seeing an increase in down payment assistance funds. We'll see an increase in closing costs. So I think my advice is that people have to look at the whole package. Yeah. I mean, is it worth spending? If you you can get a house for $400,000, that the records prove it's going to be worth 500000 within two years. Mm-hmm. It might be worth spending an extra $100 a month on your mortgage payment because that's only $1,200 a year. So right. I'd like to hear your take on on that. Yeah. It's, I love your perspective too, because it really you know, you can does. can always refinance. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You're better off buying at a lower price at a higher interest rate and refinancing later. And I, I love your approach because it really takes, it, it makes people 
think a little bit more. And I clearly, you know, obviously working with with tons of buyers over the years, I know people don't think through some of the things that you say. And so you're giving them the opportunity to to sort of tee off these these, you know, these processes in their mind. So that's that's really that's huge. But yeah, I think, you know, and also I would add to what you're saying about, you know, yes, we clearly know there's appreciation over time. And the other thing is that there's a lot of really fearful buyers out there because of everything that's happening and because of the competition. You know, I would say hedge your risk and buy a house that you don't need to sell any time in the future and then just continue to own real estate over time. I mean, that's the simplest investment advice for for real estate is just to buy it and hold it because then all these ups and downs don't really matter and when you look at the big picture you've you know you've clearly had your gains and your wealth will grow over time um so i mean i'm curious to actually hear what you think about what people are doing with solar i think you know that i have solar on my own home and you know, I see that as a you know a hedge against uh, rising electrical rates, and another real advantage of owning a home because you can yeah. do that, right? You can't do that in a rental. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. it's another way to sort of hold your costs down. I'm, and I'm wondering if you think people are really seeing that value in the solar world now. Well, you know what's funny because this podcast is based on my book, which is about renewable energy, net zero homes, and all of that, a lot of my guests have been, you know, renewable energy providers or energy builders and certification companies. And so I, you're the only real estate agent that I invited because, well, I just, I, I what we really talk about on the show really is like your old world is like in construction, yeah. And so what we see when, when people watch the news and they watch TV, what they're always focusing on is trends like the, you know, the farm, you know, the minimalist style home or the, you know, the sliding barn doors and the farmhouse style. Yeah. And, you know, and these things are trends. And what and the most important thing for home buyers is they have to focus on their long-term wealth building asset because their house is their most yeah. secure financial nest egg. Yeah. But the other thing is the construction of the house is so important. And in light of climate change, the home has to be climate resilient. And so, for instance, in, um, in Nevada, where we have a lot of droughts and we have some wildfire seasons the homes in that part of the country their concrete foundations are starting to crumble because of the lack of water and then you have the coastal areas like we have here in connecticut in the northeast where you can be a half a mile from the water but you can still have a high water table that can cause flooding and so climate resilience and taking care of your house is so important not only to make your house, you know, maintain its value to save money and repairs, but it also improves your indoor air quality because yeah. in a wet area you get mold, and mold can make people really sick. Yeah. And so, anyway, what you're saying about solar energy, when it comes to an energy efficient home, 
there are probably a very long list of like seven or eight things that people can do, but they don't need to do them all at once. But the tax abatements, the 0% loans, and all of the rebates and the incentives, it is much better for someone to take advantage of the 0% loans, rebates, incentives, and the tax credit. I mean, if if you buy a new furnace, you can get for $10,000, you can get $3,000 subtracted from your taxes owed this year. Yeah. These things need to take priority from the, well, should we have floating shelves in our kitchen or should we, you know, renovate the, you know, the playroom and open up walls? I mean, those things are cosmetics. And so, like you said, with solar energy you do get your money back. And as a matter of fact, the podcast that I'm recording tomorrow is with the founder and CEO of Pearl Certification. And what Pearl Certification has done is they are giving a certification on a home based on the asset. And the asset of the house is not just the house that you live in, in the zip code. It's also takes into account the solar panels, the extra insulation, the upgraded HVAC system. It takes all those things into an account, puts a price tag on it, and gives you a certification. Not only this gets you a cheaper mortgage, because there are mortgage incentives for energy-efficient homes, but when you do go to refinance and sell your house, you have this gold seal of approval. So the way the in the housing industry is going and the housing finance industry, it's about legitimizing the investment that people are making in their home. So whatever you do, there's not only the incentives there, government programs, but there's also going to be a much greater standardization in the pricing, assessing, valuing, and financing of homes because it is all part of the effort to reduce the racial gap in home ownership in America. And you would not believe the statistics. And so we have the technology to standardize. So when you are listing your homes on Gold Coast and talking about that, one of the things you might want to mention is, like when you're describing a house, is this has the platinum pearl certification that it lives with the house forever. Yeah. Okay, so it's like an energy star. They they won the, and this is a young company, by the way, and they won the energy star award for their technology. So I, I love the fact that there's so much being done for consumers, both buyers and sellers, that take this huge body of metadata and and break and drill it down to putting the actual dollar value in features of a home. Yeah. And and the energy part is endless because energy efficient homes sell faster and they sell for higher prices. And as, and you have told me this before, Charlie, that this is what people are looking for. They walk in the door and say, I don't want to do the work. I want it done for yep, me. For sure. So anyway, I, w- I want to hear your tips. I, I think our listeners need to hear more about what you have to say. What advice do you have for both buyers and sellers in this current market? Yeah, I think first, that's great. Thank you for the question. That that I mean, for sellers, they should consider when 
you know, when they're putting that piece of equipment in, for one, let's assume they're thinking five years down the road of selling the house. Most people have a long-term um, perspective of, of when they plan to sell at least and putting that equipment in so that you can offer it to the, to the buyer. And you also, your agent has to be able to, to convey what that means. And that's really what I see is not happening. Uh, in other words, the agents aren't able to, or are not actually, maybe they're able, but they're not putting that to, to numbers. What does a high efficiency gas furnace save you relative to an, an inefficient oil fired furnace that was replaced and helping the, the, the home buyer see that value? That's not been tackled very well in our industry, I would argue, at least here on our local level, people aren't really, or I should say agents aren't really taking the effort to to communicate that. A lot of times when we're walking through homes, and I'm sure this has spurred the conversation that we had, is, you know, I'm pointing those things out to people so they can see the value in them when we're when we're touring the homes, but hardly do we ever know ahead of time. Um, we might know there's a solar system on the house, but that's about it, my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. I think that what we've had in the past is a window dressing approach to, you know, what's appealing about a house. Yeah. And people aren't really looking at the HVAC system, you know, in the brick and mortar. But if they've educated themselves on indoor air quality, if they have a family member with asthma, Every house they look at, they're going to go right down to the basement or wherever, and they're going to look at that furnace to make sure it's high efficiency. But when the price of real estate climbs the way it's climbed in America over the past 20 years, what used to be a starter home was a house that cost $150,000, $200,000. So the average home in America being 400000 and I'm talking rural areas, the mid all every part of the country yeah what we have to have you know something that people can call the home of the lifetime so even though people do move in 5 years 10 years on average the same time the people that are buying their first home today are looking for the home of the lifetime and i think that it's so important to look at the footprint of the house and ask yourself can I add a second garage? Yeah. Can I can I put a can I expand this kitchen? No can doubt. I, you know, people need to have the vision to see the long term potential. You know, as their household size grows. I agree. But when when you read when you read advertisements, I always feel that every ad, every word counts because you've got maybe a hundred characters or say. 50 words in a net. Yeah. So to me, a wasted word is home is convenient to restaurants and shopping. Every house is convenient to restaurant and shopping. And so, and so what you read, so what you always read in a lot of ads is superficial things. You don't see the square footage. You don't see the type of heat. You don't see the age of the year that the the renovations were done. And, you know, I feel that consumers need to know the facts. 
Uh, but if they're not asking those questions, it's because they're, you know, they're watching HGTV, my competitor, right. and you know, and and they're caught up in the decor, right? Uh, instead of the real estate investment itself. Yeah. So so tell me how how are you handling people when they just can't find anything? What what are your customers saying? Your buyers. Well, just to recap on what you said, I mean, I think, quite frankly, we need a combination of both. I mean, clearly those things like the the, the barn doors, as an example, are emotional pulls, and that's a big part of selling anything. So those will always be there. But I agree with you that there needs to be a better understanding, and that's what I love about what you do, about, you know, buying a home and how it can financially improve your life. And because you gain that stability, those kids go to the same schools, you can put the solar on, like you said, all those energy things you can do to to a house when you own it and drive your own costs down. And that's not being conveyed. There's, it's clear to me um, that, that we could do a better job of communicating that to people and showing them real value and that, that, goes a long way to reducing like what their tips expenses, do you have for somebody buying and they can't buy anything i mean i think that the bargains are in the outliers they're not in the what we call the high cost preferred neighborhoods because you know we also have a mortgage delinquency problem in america because people are stretching and they are putting themselves under stress especially if it's a two-income family to buy a home and because they think it's a, a prestigious area or they were told the school systems are the best. But you know what? I think and I know I think that kids do better in an average school system when their parents are not stressed out. Yeah, that's just yeah, my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, no, I think if, that's a fair statement. If if you can't afford home and you've stretched so far, if there's a job loss, if your hours are cut down, if there's, you know, there's some kind of problem, it really, you know, puts so much pressure. And uh, I think that there's way too much priority given to what we call the prestige locations. And because I spent 35 years as a fair lending, you know, consultant, I can tell you that the words executive level executive apartments you see these signs in every building that's going up in like new york executive apartments in in every block yeah people don't people don't realize it's kind of against the law to say that (laughs) but you still see it and so a lot of homes are described as you know the sea level sea level executives live here you know yeah. all the amenities and the five star restaurants nearby and too much emphasis on the restaurants and and it's just moving away from the meat and potatoes if someone's going to spend $3000 a month for a mortgage payment let's talk about the house yeah because after they stretch themselves to buy that house, they may not be able to eat in those five-star restaurants. So I I see this a lot in Manhattan, so much emphasis on the stores and shopping. And, you know, every block in Manhattan is convenient, just stores and shopping. (laughs) 
that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so and we I mean, see it here too. You know, it's always in. I mean, there's always within five or ten minutes, right? There's a there's a cluster of some shopping area in our in our area as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I but just to to wrap up, like, what tips do you have for somebody buying and they can't find anything? So I think there's a couple ways. Even though the market is, you know, assuming you've got. Uh, listeners all across the U.S. And so assuming that they have a similar market to ours where it's challenging uh, to, to, you know, there's a lot of competition for the homes, there's still ways, and I still have clients getting very good values. Uh, quite frankly, one of the ways is just understanding the market and paying attention to it. So you can clearly see when something is under value. We just purchased a home and we paid well over asking price, but I know for a fact that it's on par with other homes that likely the price that we paid is on par with other homes that likely sold over their asking price. And so just being aware of what the values are so when you can see a good one, and if you have to overpay, it doesn't mean that you're actually overpaying. You're paying more than list price, but you're paying a fair market value because the listing agent made a mistake, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. And another way is it just you know, goes off of what you said earlier, which is, you know, people are still have a tendency to ignore the older listings. As a listing agent, we know that we really have one strong shot when we release that listing where we're going to attract a large number of buyers and a large number of showings. And if we leave that house on the market for for an extended period of time, the we're not going to get as good of an offer as we would have when we first put it on the house. That's and true. so as a buyer, you capital, you can capitalize. Yeah. You capitalize on it because you essentially reduce the 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 competition for the home. And now instead of paying over asking, you're probably able to negotiate a little bit off. Even in our crazy market, not everything is selling uh, in the first few weeks. So go after those homes that have been on the market for a little while and negotiate, work them. It might take a little bit of legwork and, you know, maybe you don't necessarily work a deal on every home that you that you actually go after that's been on the market for a little while, but you will find some diamonds in the rough. I have no doubt. Well, I think the biggest mistake homeowners make is they buy a house and they don't do anything. Because I walk three miles every day, and I, I live in a very nice neighborhood. And, you know, before I moved here, I used to ride a bike. And one of the things that you notice when you're a bike rider or a walker is you is you pass by the same two or 300 houses every day. Yeah. And what amazes me is this is what pops off the page for me, is how many staircases and decks are installed illegally, yeah. number one. So what people have to understand, if you don't get a building permit and something happens, you're not going to get the insurance coverage. And then when you call somebody like Charlie Vinci to list your house for sale, by the time you get to the closing, the, the title report company is going to say, did you get a permit for that electrical wiring you did, you know, in 2019? What, you know, what people don't realize is they have to take care of the house. And that includes landscaping. It's the curb appeal. Yeah. And so, as you know, home staging is an important thing, but the curb appeal helps to, sure. to, you know, 
it gets people attracted to the house. But uh, when it comes, I've learned so much from all the research I've done with energy efficiency and, you know, just having your furnace cleaned once a year, it, it just makes such a difference. And, and people aren't always doing that. But True. Yep. Anyway, I, I think that you, you should be writing the next book called <laughs> Live in a Home That Pays You Back by Doubling It in Value by, by following Charlie Vincent's advice on what to do. Because I, I, I like the fact that you provide so much information to the public at large. Thank you. You're not hiding anything. You're such a good, healthy attitude in business is to share, share knowledge. Yeah, we love to. And you, uh, you, you think outside the box. And I think that even people that aren't buying in Connecticut might like to learn more about you. So why don't you tell people how to find your Gold Coast Homes channels and your website? Tell us, tell us how people can find you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. We'd love to have them. So the the website is uh, www.charlievinci.com, my name. So it's spelled out Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I-E. And my last name is V as in Victor, I-N-C-I. You can also go ahead and Google my name. The YouTube channel and other social media will come up. The YouTube channel is probably the most useful if you don't want to go over to the site. But uh, there's more resources on the site than there is on the YouTube channel. So that's the bonus there. And, of course, they can always call me. Uh, my, my number, my direct line is 203-952-7752. Happy to, to talk to anyone. Even if you're not here in the area, uh, we love talking to people. So if, uh, if I can help or give you a few words of advice, feel free to reach out. Well, that's great. So as most of my podcast listeners know, I put – you know, the phone numbers and the additional website information on my website, which is entitysimone.net. But when this podcast is on Spotify and Google and Amazon, um, I'm only allowed to put in usually like one website, and that will be charlievinci.com. But Charlie's phone number will be on my website, 203-952-7752. And again, today we are speaking with Charlie Vinci of the Charlie Vinci Compass Realty team in Greenwich, Connecticut. And Charlie is one of the top 5% realtors in the country by HomeSnap. And, you know, when I read that statistic, Charlie, I knew, I don't think it's because you're selling zillion dollar homes i think it's because of who you are your integrity your knowledge your professionalism and how you have grown and presented yourself in your career i Thank think you. it's great and like i said you're the only realtor that i invited on my show well, i appreciate that <laughs> thank you man yeah yeah so thank you so much thank you take care Thank you for joining us today on the Live in a Home That Pays You Back podcast. We hope you tune in again where we'll share more insider secrets so you get the absolute most out of your home. Check out Anna D. Simone's award-winning book, Live in a Home That Pays You Back. Available at Amazon and major booksellers in print, audio, and ebook. For more information, visit annadesimone.net. 
If you like what you heard, remember to follow Live in a Home That Pays You Back and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.